Cashflow Diary Podcast, episode 114. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of the Cashflow Diary Podcast. The podcast that teaches you insider tips, tactics, and strategies for creating leverage streams of cash flow into your life. Learn from top-performing entrepreneurs, business owners, investors, and thought leaders from across the globe as they share their secrets to success. Like what you learn on this and other Cashflow Diary podcast episodes? Go to LearnInvestingNow.com and sign up to receive powerful tips and information that will help you succeed as an entrepreneur and investor. Now, here's your host, investor, entrepreneur, business owner, educator, speaker, author, and master facilitator of Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Game, Jay Massey. All right, all right. What's up out there today? How are you guys doing? Hopefully you're out there becoming bigger, better, better. Entrepreneurs and real estate investors making things happen, providing good value, clean, safe, affordable housing to people that need it when it matters most. We over here are celebrating today and we have something special for you today. For those of you who have been listening faithfully and you get to hear it. One of the things many of you know is that we've been working on, my book came out earlier this year, and we've been working on the audiobook. Well, the audiobook is officially done. I mean, when I say officially done, as in it is available in Audible, iTunes, as well as Amazon. And for those of you who have already pre-ordered it, excellent. You will be getting your uh, login information, be able to download that here shortly so that you'll be able to download it straight to your own devices and computers and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So here's what I thought I'd do. I thought I'd do what we've been doing with the written version for a long time. So for the written version for a long time, you could go over to our website at cashflowdiary.com forward slash book. And what you'd be able to do is get a sample copy uh, as in sample of the first two chapters. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a sample uh, of the audiobook. That's this entire episode is going to be a sample of the audiobook. The exact same pieces that we would give away uh, have and have been giving away for quite some time for the written version. So one of the things I'm just going to say, it's going to be a long episode because written is we do, we read faster than we speak or write or something like that. All I know is when I look at the timestamp, I was like, wow, that's it's going to be a long episode. But, you know, I, I think you out there, if you want to to know you'll you'll listen and if not then this show this episode will only have like two downloads or something so either way uh what we're going to do is that now for some of you if you want to make sure that you can get yourself a copy of the audiobook you're gonna have to go to cashflowdiary.com forward slash audio or you can use our text system where you get to text into 949-682-3565 the keyword is audio a-u-d-i-o a-u-d-i-o so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to let the free samples here play, and then you can decide, do I want the rest of the story or not? Cashflow Diary, 10 Steps to Creating Wealth in Any Economy, written by Jay Massey, narrated by Rich Germain, with additional segments narrated by Jay Massey. Disclaimer, a special announcement by Jay Massey. This book is designed to provide information on Jay Massey's personal path 
as a real estate investor. This information is provided and sold with the knowledge that the publisher and author do not offer any legal or professional advice. In the case of a need of such expertise, consult with the appropriate professional. This book does not contain all information available on the subject. This book has not been created to be specific to any individual's or organization's situation or needs. Every effort has been made to make this book as accurate as possible. However, there may be typographical and or content errors. Therefore, this book should serve only as a general guide and not as the ultimate source of subject information. This book contains information that might be dated and is intended only to educate and to entertain. The author and publisher shall have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity regarding any loss or damage incurred or alleged to have incurred directly or indirectly by the information contained in this book. You hereby agree to be bound by this disclaimer or you may return this book within the guarantee time for a full refund. Introduction Right now, this very minute, I ask you, what time is it? I don't know what you just said, but in case you don't know, it's now o'clock. If you want to change things in your life, you need to take action now. It's an adage that I live by and that my team lives by, so we do, in fact, practice what I've been teaching for years. We embrace taking immediate action at the speed of instruction. I could have given this book a different title. Like, just do it, or what are you waiting for? Or, take action and don't look back, because doing it is one of the main messages in this book. I want you to learn and then act quickly on that information. Then repeat time and time again until you're so good at what you do as a real estate investor that it's like tying your shoes. I want you to throw out old ideas that tell you to move slowly and that you need to handle every aspect of the deal. It's just not true. I wrote this book to give you the tools and understanding of real estate investing and to get you to move into action quickly and then keep moving. I want to hear from you not long from today, also known as now o'clock, telling me about how well you're doing as a real estate investor and what tactics you are using in your business. Find me through my website at www.cashflowdiary.com. On the other hand, if you are 100% satisfied with your life and finances, if you don't want to learn how to create tangible cash flow into your life that would allow you to improve the quality of not just your life, but all the lives of those around you, if you like working a nine to five job where you are not the boss, if you think you can find what this book teaches in some seminar or education environment, I invite you to close this book now. This book is not for you. If, however, you want to learn by example about how I went from being technically homeless and squatting in bank-owned property to homeowner slash landlord and then successful real estate investor who owns, at the time of this writing, more than 380 units of property in just a few short years, then keep reading. If you do, you'll learn how my doing 11 transactions in a week early on in my real estate investing career put me on a path that I continue on today. If you like the idea of learning how I did that and how you can too, you will find this a very helpful book indeed. I wrote this book to help you do exactly what I did in real estate. Unlike some books we've all read that leave out real action steps it takes to become successful as a real estate investor, I'm giving you the whole enchilada. I am not intentionally leaving anything out. 
I truly want you to be more successful than I am because there is plenty of room in the market for more people like me and like you. If I could move through what I did in life to achieve what I have in just five years, so can you. But it's not magic. I have no magic wand, and this is not a magical book of spells and incantations. Just by reading this, you aren't suddenly going to have the ability to transform your life. It takes work. In short, it takes committed action. You get to choose to learn new skills and add to those you already have. You get to become a communicator, someone who is comfortable sharing his or her ideas and visions with strangers. This is called developing interpersonal skills. And you lean on them in all you do to improve the quality of your life and the size of your bank account if that's your true goal. In fact, I'll go out on a limb here and tell you that even if you don't become a real estate investor, this book will change and improve the way you view things in your life in general. That is my intent. I want you to start looking at things, everything, in a different light. You have more power to control your destiny than you might think. How do I know? Because it's a truth that was revealed to me over the past few years. I'm living my dream. Let me back up. I'll take you back to my nine to five days. Don't think I'm bashing those who truly like being an employee. I'm not. Employee types are needed, too. It's just that uh, I'm not one of them. If you like being employed, you too might want to close the book right now. Or keep reading, and maybe I can open your mind to a new way of thinking. I worked for plenty of bosses in different companies. I gave it a shot. However, I was not satisfied working for other people. I asked too many questions, something I heard from my bosses a lot. I didn't get a lot of answers, which didn't make much sense to me. I was often told, stop making waves and to do the job like everyone else because that's the way it's supposed to be done. I'm glad I didn't listen. If I remained in those positions listening to the bosses about how to conduct my life, I wouldn't be here today writing this book and sharing with you all I have learned. I might still be struggling along to make ends meet, deciding which bills I would pay this month and watching my credit score dip lower and lower. Today, I don't care about my credit score. At least not the credit you think is credit. I don't have to. As a real estate investor who doesn't use his own cash or credit to buy, sell, or own properties, I don't have to care. My credit score doesn't matter. I'm sure one day my score will be top-notch again, but I am also certain that I won't ever have to worry about it again. Why? I developed new skills and a new way of operating in my life. You might be thinking, yes, Jay, but that's you. I can't do what you did. I have a family to take care of and lots of mouths to feed. How can I possibly stop what I'm doing and do something different? I assure you that I have several mouths to feed and they like food. I know because I see it disappear from the fridge pretty quickly. I have a great family that includes, at the time of this writing, four children ranging in age from toddler to full-blown teen. My wife is and always has been very supportive of my goals and of me. She has been a part of my journey and she continues to be part of my success. She is intelligent, and I look to her for input, and we are a team. She is part of my company's team, too, so I don't buy the old, but I have a family excuse for not learning a new way to bring money into the fold. There aren't many excuses I will buy, but uh, don't misunderstand me. I am not telling you to quit your job yet. I am saying that you can change your mindset and then your life. I am saying that if you take action steps to make this change, you can have it. However, it's your choice. 
Whether you change your life or not doesn't impact me. It impacts you and your loved ones. In fact, if you think about it, change in your life impacts your relatives who aren't even born yet. It can impact people you will never meet. What do I mean? Easy. Through my efforts as an active real estate investor, I help families I will never meet get into clean, safe, affordable housing. I will make improvements to residences and apartment buildings that raise the quality of life for these families. It makes me feel good to know that I am literally helping people, and I couldn't do that if I hadn't become an active real estate investor. Well, maybe I should really say hyperactive. As a problem solver in real estate, I learn to look at things with a much broader scope than some other investors so I can make these improvements. It's not the almighty dollar that I seek in what I do. It is my goal to leave a legacy that helps improve not just my children's lives and not just my wife's life, but also to positively affect as many people's lives as I possibly can. You may think that's a lofty goal, but it's not. No goal is too big. We'll cover that in this book along with a lot of other positive ways to look at life and real estate investing. I aim to give you the basic tools to put to use immediately in the world to begin to affect true change in your life. I want you to implement what you learn at the speed of instruction. Learn it and use it right now because you know what time it is. That's right. It's now o'clock. Feel free to share the ideas presented in this book far and wide. Don't be secretive about the information. It's meant to be shared. In fact, once you have entered your journey into the brave new world of real estate investing, I want to hear from you. Email me from inside my website at cashflowdiary.com. I want to hear about your successes and your mistakes. And believe me, you will make plenty. Just wait till you read about a few of mine. For example, I'll tell you about my entry into real estate investing, the good and the bad. I'll tell you how I even did 11 deals in a week when I was first wholesaling. And I'll tell you about a magnificent series of mistakes that I like to call my experience with fix and flip gone wild or my fix and flop. I'll even tell you about how I got out of a burning building alive. Okay, I wasn't in the building at the time. It was in flames, nor was anyone else. But it could have ended my life as a real estate investor had I let it. Why am I sharing these personal stories with you? I address mistakes and how beneficial they are to show you that you shouldn't let fear of making mistakes or even actual burning buildings keep you from continuing on your path. I also want you to understand quite clearly that you must make mistakes to be a success. Maybe you've heard quotes like that and have dismissed them or don't believe them. You consider it hype when someone tells you the way to success is through failure. Maybe you feel like these statements could never apply to you and that you could never create the wealth that these quote makers have. Or maybe you believe that you can come out of the chute not making any mistakes because you read this book and other books and you're ready to make your millions in real estate now. Good luck on that one. I'm not here to hound you into believing that mistakes are going to happen, but I am telling you without a shadow of a doubt that they are necessary to the process of success. Don't believe me yet? Let me ask you how you learned whatever it is that you're an expert in right now. Did your current skill set come suddenly after reading a book or a whole library of books? Was it spontaneous learning, spontaneous wisdom, or did you learn and then make mistakes, adjust your thinking, relearn the skills, take action steps, apply what you know works, make more mistakes, and then adjust again until you knew what you were doing fully? I'm guessing the latter. We learn by mistake. It is how our brains are designed. There is a 
progression towards success in anything, and it involves how we apply learned knowledge. First we learn, then we head out into the world to apply that knowledge. Until we've put into action what we learn, we won't be able to accomplish our set goal. We won't likely do it right the first or maybe the second or third times, but eventually and with plenty of practice, we get good at applying the knowledge. In our real estate, our first deals are for experience. Later deals are for profit. Through our mistakes, we gain wisdom. Then we can teach others to avoid the mistakes we made to create a faster path to success. You can argue with me, but this is the truth. It's tough to argue truth. However, if you give me an example of something you learned in which you never made a mistake in order to get a whole lot better at it, I invite you to share your tale with me. All I know is that in real estate, I made mistakes, big ones. I learned from each and every mistake I made too. That's how I can write these words you are reading now. I have a lot of experience as a real estate investor. Had I been worried about making mistakes, I wouldn't have entered in this arena. I wouldn't have the conflicts or the ability to change lives as I do now. I am now thankful for the wisdom my mistakes have produced. I want you to be thankful for yours and learn from them. Apply the new bits of knowledge you gain from them, and you will be where I am now. I'm waiting for you. Get ready to learn and apply this knowledge at the speed of instruction. Ready? Set? Let's get started. Step 1. Get started. We begin with a quote from J.K. Rowling. It is impossible to live without failing at something unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not have lived at all, in which case you have failed by default. The only way I know how to show you how to get started as a real estate investor is to share my story with you about how I got started. But before I share my journey with you, let's cover some things you'll want to do to help your mind shift into a new way of thinking and being. The first actual step to becoming a real estate investor is to start thinking like one. Believe that you can achieve a new way of life. Believe that you can develop a new set of skills that will change your life and the lives of those you love. This is not happy talk. I'm not blowing smoke up your skirt. It is truth. So how do you make this shift? Start by talking to people who make their living as real estate investors. Think about your goals in real estate and then take action. Educate yourself by reading books about real estate investing and building a business. You can find a few to start with on my website at cashflowdiary.com. I add books every month or so that I've read and that offer excellent guidance. Some might surprise you, but that's okay. Read them anyway. Many of the books are about aspects of entrepreneurialism. If you're going to be a real estate investor, you are going to have to be entrepreneurial-minded. Another thing you can do to shift your mindset is to attend classes on real estate investing that are taught by people who are successful as investors. Find yourself a good mentor, too. Learn all you can so you can be more prepared for the life you want. Expand your financial intelligence. Financial intelligence starts in the home. Every day, my family practices financial education in our home. By the time my kids are in elementary school, 
they have a good base of understanding about money. We don't just give our children money to buy whatever they want. If we did, what would we be doing for our children, aside from keeping them quiet temporarily until they decide they want the next thing on their wish list? We practice in the home what I teach outside the home. That's right. I want my kids to have a level of financial intelligence that the average person simply doesn't possess. Who else is going to teach them, if not me? I want them to know that if they truly want something, that they can have it. And that's exactly what I tell them. When one of my children comes to me and says, Daddy, I want a new... and they tell me what they want. My response is always the same. I say, that's wonderful, honey. You can have it. But first, you will need to create a product or service that you can sell to earn the money to buy it. What's really cool is that is exactly what my oldest daughter does. At 16 years of age, she gets it. She creates crocheted pieces to sell online, and she earns her own money to spend on things she wants. We have great conversations about business, life, and money. I'm proud of her for taking her own path. It will lead her to greater and greater successes in life. What parent wouldn't want that for their child? I'm one proud papa. Not just that, but my daughter also plays and teaches the Cash Flow 101 game to her peers, so they might learn about handling money and making investments. We'll get to the importance of playing the Cash Flow game a little later. That's a promise, and I always keep my promises. Back to financial intelligence. Can you imagine what the world would be like if everyone from an early age would be indoctrinated into the understanding that you can have anything you want if you can develop a product or service and then learn to sell it? What if we looked at the world as problems looking for solutions and then provide those solutions? Systems are developed from providing solutions. I provide solutions, and that's what I'm trying to tell you to do. That's one reason I wrote this book. People have been asking me to write a book for a couple of years. Okay, okay, I'm doing it. I had to first be open to the idea of writing a book. Then I had to educate myself on the process. But I found that, just like in real estate investing, I couldn't expect to just dip my toes into the water to get the book done. I had to jump into the pool wholeheartedly, cannonball style. I'm happy to report that it was way more fun than I thought it would be, and a lot less scary. In fact, you can count on me writing more books in the future. I can't wait. It is my intent with this book to get you beyond your feelings of being overwhelmed about jumping into the great big pool of real estate investing to where you actually have fun investing. If you are anything like me, you're going to love being a real estate investor. I know you're interested or you wouldn't have gotten this far in the book. To get you to consider the possibilities and to bring you to a point where you can see yourself as a real estate investor, I have to share my story without leaving anything out. That way, you will understand that I am more like you than you might think, and that if I can be successful as a real estate investor, you can do really well as a real estate investor too. You just have to want it enough to work for it, to take action steps, one after the other. And you have to be willing to make mistakes and move forward anyway. Mistakes aren't going to kill you. In fact, they might just be wonderful things. I've made mistakes, 
and some of them ended up leading me to excellent new relationships in business and investing. I'll share those with you, too. For now, I want you to know that all things truly are possible if you only believe. Easy for me to say? Not really. To get to this mindset, I first had to reach bottom. Hang on. Hang on. We'll get there. I'm not done with this part yet. What I know can make you a million dollars. My intent in this book is specific. I am not just going to give you the fish. I'm teaching you instead how to fish. My goal is to provide you with fish for generations. I want you to learn to do and then teach your children to do. I want you to pass everything I tell you in this book and in my program, videos, podcasts, manuals, and everything else you can find on my website, down to younger generations. I want you to share with your children and grandchildren the lessons I learned along the way, what I did, and how I did it, so you and future generations can do it too. Don't think for a minute I'm being grandiose here. What I've done is not magic. It's simply doing it that gets you where I am today. If you're feeling good, you do it. If you're feeling ill, you do it. No matter what's going on with you personally, you do it. In that way, you gain experience and then success. There's no room for fear. People are funny creatures. We let fear stop us from doing what we want to do in our hearts. We let other people tell us we can't do something. We listen to them. We listen to the negative self-talk that rattles around in our minds that tells us the same. The truth is that fear can't stop you. It's how you react to your fear that matters. If you didn't experience fear from time to time, you'd be a robot or dead. You're not a robot or dead, are you? I didn't think so. That means you can manage your emotions and manage your response to fear. You think, I don't experience fear? I do. But I go ahead and do what needs to be done anyway. Even if I don't know every part of a deal or how to do a specific task involved, that doesn't stop me from doing the deal. If I had let fear stop me, I wouldn't be writing these words today. I wouldn't be steadily working toward my goal of owning 1,000 units of residential real estate. I'm about halfway there and one million square feet of commercial space. No, there were no typos in any of those numbers, and I approve this message. Now that you're going to change your thinking to accept the success you will allow yourself to achieve as a real estate investor, and now that you understand you will need to change your response to fear, we can move on. That is, if you promise me right now that you will read books written by the action steppers of the world, to help motivate you. Again, a great starting point is the books I've read and put up on my website, cashflowdiary.com. I can see you shaking your head up and down, so okay, moving on. If you want to join me in my success, here are your next first steps on your path. Number one, create a vision book, much better than a bulky vision board. Number two, take the steps I share with you. Three, Gather a strong team as you build your portfolio. And four, don't worry so much. Too simple? You're correct. Because becoming a successful real estate investor isn't just that simple. 
you will find challenges in each of these simple steps. Before we move on, this would be a good place for you to grab a cup of coffee or hot tea. In fact, head out to a local Starbucks. Maybe you'll see me there with my iPad and phone. Maybe you'll see me there playing a rousing round of the Cashflow 101 game. After all, Starbucks is where I spend a lot of my time. You never know whom you will meet at Starbucks. For example, while I was in Memphis a few years back, one of my investors was sitting at Starbucks. A guy sat next to her, and she started telling him about everything I do in real estate. He was really interested, but beyond that, it ended up that he is a trainer and has ties to professional athletes. He was involved in a cool basketball camp for kids that also offers education. We chatted not too long after, and I asked if I could do a financial literacy program at the next camp since he had invited me. I love basketball, and I was a basketball player in my youth, so I could relate to the kids. Now I'm involved in a big way in these camps, all from a conversation that was struck up between two people at Starbucks. I love that kind of stuff. Regardless of where you choose to read this book, get comfy. You might be a little blown away. It's best that you're sitting down as I tell you about how I literally went from homeless to homeowner and then real estate investor in a matter of weeks after my primary residence was foreclosed. You heard me correctly. I became a squatter in that residence and then turned everything around in a short period of time. I haven't stopped since, and I continue to have the same level of passion about real estate investing. What's changed is the size of the deals and what the deals continue to bring to my life. I won't share with you the size of my portfolio or the numbers in my bank account, but if you want to add more zeros and commas to yours, keep reading. Got your attention, huh? A Glimpse of My Life Today, I am the CEO of my company, West Egg Enterprises, Inc. Even with that title, I wear a few different hats and I do whatever tasks need to be done, so I'm not sure about the title. I make decisions in landlord duties. My team and I raise private capital. As the face of the company, it's up to me to make sure people understand who we are and what we are aiming to achieve which is to help more people in a lot of different ways. That's part of what this book is about. It helps in exposure for the company so I can help more people. That's what my videos, podcasts, websites, social media, coaching, and cash flow creation system programs are all about. The way I see it, if I could go from homeless to homeowner, think rental property because I still enjoy the convenience of renting, and maybe if I share my story with others then they will be able to accomplish what I have. But my success didn't happen all at once. It took steps. Let's roll back the calendar to 2006, the beginning of a two-year personal journey that would change my life. At that time, I was a financial planner, and I wasn't happy in that role. In 2005, my wife Poppy was pregnant with what would have been our first child together. We were happy about the baby. But then she experienced a miscarriage. It was a devastating blow. But together we worked through the emotions and chose to keep moving forward. At the beginning of 2006, we bought our first condo. It was small, just over 1,200 square feet, and we paid $350,000 for it. Not bad, right? Did you spill your coffee as you read that number? 
think again. Later, I sold it for much less in the form of a foreclosure auction. Welcome to squatterhood. Yes, I'm allowed to make up words now. Anyway, what can I say? I hadn't learned the ropes as a real estate investor yet. There were a lot of options and opportunities that were open to me, but I didn't understand that yet. Instead, I was knee-deep in the emotionality of everything. But I digress. Poppy became pregnant again, and yes, that was my fault, thank you very much. Because of our previous experience, we were cautiously optimistic. Unfortunately, as the pregnancy progressed, my wife became very ill. It took us a little while to figure out what was going on. She almost died three times. I'm not sure that one is ever prepared for such events. But we prayed a lot, and we got through the worst parts of the experience together. Poppy was diagnosed with a condition called hyperemesis gravidarum, a rare complication of pregnancy characterized by intractable nausea, vomiting, and dehydration that only 0.5% to 2% of pregnant women experience. Poppy's case was severe, which meant she was in fear of developing ketosis and malnutrition. In the simplest of terms, the condition meant that she couldn't take in the nutrition her body needed during her pregnancy. Even holding bread and water down was a trick until the doctors figured out what was wrong. Poppy was placed on bed rest much of the time. I needed to be with her and to help take care of her. But I was working a lot of hours at the time, so I had a major life decision to make. I realized right away that I couldn't work so much and still be there for my wife. The last I checked, it's impossible, physically, to be in two places at once. This set a lot of dominoes in motion. I couldn't focus on my job, nor make good financial planning decisions when I was under this level of duress personally. I had to be home a lot and wasn't making much money. That's when I started selling personal possessions on eBay. This is how I tried to control my situation, selling items from my wife's bedside in the hospital. I know it sounds a little insane, but it's what I knew how to do at the time. For example, when CompUSA was closing, I could buy items for pennies on the dollar to flip at a good profit. I found DSL modems and bought all I found on the store shelves to resell on eBay. I got them at $18 per unit and sold them for $49.99 plus shipping and handling. From there, I expanded to clothing and other personal items. I literally went through our closets and garage. I remember the panic feeling of digging through things to find items to sell. Right now, I guarantee you that you have about $3,000 in merchandise you don't need and can sell on eBay if you really want to. I also used Liquidation.com and other bulk buy wholesaler sites where I could find reasonably priced items to resell at a profit. At the time, I saw no other way to make money and still be at my wife's side. I would be the best eBay seller I could be and ride out this personal storm. It wasn't working as well as I needed it to, however, and we found ourselves falling further and further behind in our bills. We couldn't afford to pay all of the mortgage each month either, and this was before the loan mod fad had kicked into high gear. We were moving toward 2007, a fateful year. About this time, a friend of mine told me that I needed to become a real estate investor. 
I looked at him like he was from another planet. My credit score was around the upper 300s. Please note the word upper. I'm trying to make it sound better. How in the heck would I become a real estate investor? I didn't realize it at the time, but my friend got me to thinking. He had shown me a path. He had planted a seed. I didn't know it at the time, but I had taken my first steps. Remember how I told you that changing your thinking is the very first thing you must do before becoming a real estate investor? It's true. I've lived it. However, I was so stressed out with my personal issues that I didn't allow myself to think too much about it at that moment. It was better to delay, right? Uh, wrong. I decided instead that I needed to detox from what was going on in my life. I headed out to play volleyball. I didn't play a lot of volleyball. My game is basketball, but playing volleyball was a great stress reducer for me. However, on this particular day, it would be a life changer. At some point during the game, I launched myself into the air to spike the ball. It felt great until I came down and landed on another player, puncturing my lung and causing me a lot of pain. My attempt to reduce stress ended up adding more stress to my life than I could imagine. It was certain that my wife wouldn't be alone now. So there we were, both of us, incapacitated and on bed rest with zero income. Ain't life grand? There was no way I could keep eBaying either. It's a lot of effort and not enough return. I guarantee that I couldn't move far enough from the bed to dig through closets. I couldn't walk very far at all. I couldn't do my work in financial planning, and I wasn't yet a real estate investor. Life was looking mighty grim, but we held on by the skin of our collective teeth till 2008. Oh, what a year. On February 13, 2008, our primary residence went to auction. Yes, I, Jay Massey, was foreclosed on. I know, ironic, huh? But it was a push point that would finally shove me into action. My family and I squatted in this bank-owned property for months. However, just 12 days after the bank took possession of our home, I started learning live, in the classroom setting, about buying and selling real estate. Four months later, my wife and I did our first transaction, which showed me that I really could do this thing. I could actually be a real estate investor and a darned good one at that. In short order, I kept learning and I kept buying, flipping and wholesaling, rehabbing properties. One property at a time, I put into practice what I had learned in my real estate studies. Until one day, when I started buying apartment buildings. I now own hundreds of units across many states, including but not limited to Illinois, Indiana, Tennessee, Georgia, and California. I'm working on deals in Colorado. There are great deals across our nation, so why not? Just recently, I closed a deal on a 182-unit property in Tennessee, and I am simultaneously working on an international deal in Belize. I also just closed on a commercial building in Colorado. This space was formerly a bakery, but I have lots of plans for it that will create more revenue and help the residents who live near the space. 
I have a vision to build a massive portfolio primarily in the affordable housing space, just as my company's mission statement promises. It is not enough for me to simply provide for my family and keep food in their mouths. I wouldn't keep doing what I do in real estate if I didn't think I could help a lot of other people and help them be able to afford to put food in their families' mouths. Providing a better quality of life by creating clean, safe, affordable housing is a driving force for me and my team. Working versus investing as a way to put food on the table. We all have to figure out a way to eat and to feed our families. It is a tangible experience. We are used to working X number of hours for X dollars in pay and then converting it to money in the bank to use for food and other essentials. Working like this is an active sport. We are actively working. I didn't ever find this appealing. I wanted passive income. I didn't want to work in an office for a boss, but I had bills to pay. And like so many of us, before I became a real estate investor, I traded my time, about nine or ten hours a day of it, for a paycheck. That meant I spent very little off time with my wife and kids. I happened to enjoy time with my wife and kids. Something had to change. It would be me. I had to shift my mindset from being an employee to an entrepreneur and investor. It took me some time to adjust, and it will take you some time to adjust. So don't quit your day job yet, as they say. My days as a company man. I've had jobs as a company man, and I can tell you that my bosses didn't care for my ideas. They didn't want me to do things my way, and I usually couldn't understand why they did things the way they did. In one corporate job, I held the title of a customer service underwriter. I produced more than the other people on my team. I did things my way, but to be fair, I also considered how other people did the job. My way happened to work best for me. I was a very high producer for the company, and though I wasn't happy with how things worked at that company, I signed up for the job. I would have to accept the ways in which the company functioned. So I did, and I stuck with it. Until one day. The last straw with that particular company came on a typical day when the head honcho pulled me aside to chat with me about my future with the company. I was known for speaking my mind. This boss lady knew I wanted to go into sales. The company offered a sales position. And she said I couldn't because I hadn't been with the company and or at my job for three years. I stared at her. I'm pretty sure she could see what I was thinking. The eyebrows probably gave me away. What did that have to do with my abilities? I remember leaving her office disgruntled. Then I learned about a sales contest the company was hosting. Had it not been for the three-year rule that was holding me back from a sales position, I wouldn't have been interested in participating in the contest. But there it was. A challenge. I love a challenge. So I gathered my sales team. It was the last day of the contest. As the customer service underwriter... I taught my team a single technique that I used effectively, and that's all it took. We did it. We won the sales contest in a single day. Yes, one day. I thought that by proving my abilities in sales that I would be allowed to go into sales training. 
I was mistaken. There would be no sales position for me. I ended up finding an opportunity to be a financial planner and would eventually learn how to be a good salesperson on my own. I didn't really need that sales course, after all. I needed a better one. Sales are part of everything we do, whether on the job, in everyday life, or as a real estate investor. We are all salespeople. Think about it. You have to sell yourself in all areas of your life. You must negotiate terms and make deals. I don't care if you're dealing with your children, your kids' schools, or the car salesman down the road. The same skills apply. I guarantee that you can, at this very minute, think of at least three instances today where you used sales and negotiation skills. This is a good thing. You'll need to hone those skills to negotiate great deals in real estate. Don't you wish they had taught you some of this in grade school? Teaching kids sales and negotiation skills can change the world. The U.S. job market is in trouble. We have spent decades sending our kids to school, and we've been doing them wrong. Or rather, we've been teaching our children the wrong things by leaving important skills out of the curriculum. We send people out into the world to recognize only one opportunity, a J-O-B. We send them out to take jobs, and we don't send them out with skills that would help them make jobs. This is an imbalance. The job makers are fewer and fewer. Now what? I can promise you that people in our society will have to adapt or die. We will get to that line of thinking a little later in the book. Education is important, but there is more than one type of learning. There is academic education, emotional education, financial education, and spiritual education. We need to know how to apply our knowledge in all of these areas, no matter what we do in life, so we can have better communication with others and propel ourselves to a better lifestyle at every stage of life. We confuse these types of education with professional education, such as in becoming a doctor, lawyer, architect, an electrician, or a financial planner. Did you know that it takes longer to become an electrician than it does to become a financial planner? I'll get to that a bit later, too. The point is that professional education is just one piece of what we need, especially as real estate investors. As Michael Gerber, one of my mentors and one heck of an intelligent man, points out, with professional education, you can become an excellent technician, but being a technician can stand in your way of achieving true success. Perhaps it is better to become a generalist. Generalists have to understand sales and working with a team. For example, I am a generalist in real estate. I was pushed into this specialty by unfortunate events. However, I can look back and say that I am now grateful for those events. My wife is healthy and happy. My kids are all healthy and happy. Heck, I'm healthy and happy. How did we achieve this stature? We adapted, so we haven't died. I told you I would get to this. Choose not to adapt, and you will die. If you are laid off from your job, you will have to adapt, or the world will make a meal out of you. If you are suddenly put into a situation where you must take action to change your life and you don't take action, what will happen? You could actually cease to
to be. At the very least, your world as you know it will cease to exist. It's like walking around in Chicago year-round in summer clothes. Quite literally, you need to adapt to the changing weather and put on the right type of clothing or die. The same rule applies when one makes the shift from employee to self-employed to entrepreneur. It is an adapt-or-die mentality. What will you do to survive? What will you do to feed your family? Will you take the action that is necessary to move forward? As an employee, a lot of times all you have to be is meat in the seat. I used to watch my fellow employees' behaviors closely. Many of them took smoke breaks. They took a lot of smoke breaks, which was irritating, even after my short time on the job. I was a hard worker, and I didn't smoke. I didn't take smoke breaks. I didn't take many breaks at all. The law says I could have 15 minutes in the morning before lunch and 15 minutes in the afternoon, but aside from lunch, I didn't take many breaks. That was my choice, yes, but I didn't take smoke breaks, which is my point here. Yet I was paid the same as the smokers were. That arrangement didn't exactly motivate me to be the best employee I could be. It didn't seem to motivate the smokers either. They certainly weren't the best employees. Then again, why should they be ideal employees or strive harder when they'd be paid the same as harder workers? And please don't send me nasty messages if you happen to be a smoker. You know that's not my point. Whether you smoke or not is entirely your choice. It is, in fact, your right. That lazy mindset is far from that which you must possess when you endeavor to go into real estate. First, you have to accept the idea of self-employment. As Robert Kiyosaki points out in his books Rich Dad, Poor Dad, So Well, in that quadrant, you are responsible for managing your own time. It's likely you will put in more time every day on the job than when you were an employee. My employee training taught me how to use my time really well. For example, I was trained to be on the phone for eight hours a day. People ask me how I could do that, and I'm glad I had that experience. It taught me skills I call upon even today. Phone work is a part of what you do first as a self-employed person, and certainly as a real estate investor. You will be talking to a lot of people. The similarity between the W-2 employee and the self-employed individual is that they are both working for a check. The employee receives a paycheck regularly every two weeks. The self-employed person receives payment from clients and customers. It is anything but regular pay, but it is the same as a paycheck if you think about it. However, many self-employed people are also entrepreneurs, and they possess a high level of entrepreneurial spirit. That is an excellent character trait. As an investor, you are an entrepreneur who doesn't receive a paycheck of any kind. As an entrepreneur, you are creating value that others can use. It might be money, and it might be jobs or affordable housing. In centuries past, maybe you could have learned your investing and entrepreneurial skills as an apprentice, but not now. Before the advent of the corporation and the ideal of employees and on-the-job training, we learned in apprenticeships under a master. I wish that were still the case. But now, 
People want to be paid to teach and even paid to learn, considering they learn on the job as they are receiving a regular paycheck. It should instead be about creating value to get value. My jobs in sales taught me important lessons. I remember my very first day in sales. That's when I realized that if I didn't sell, I also didn't eat. However, I had to do my job in sales with integrity. I could not use tactics I saw others using because I had to earn money in my sales job honestly. It's just who I am. In fact, I've lost jobs because I couldn't or wouldn't do my job using the tactics that my superiors wanted me to use. We're talking about retail sales, where I was selling on the floor. We're talking about selling to complete strangers and selling them something they may not know they need. Up until I became a salesperson, I thought I had to take a course and earn a certification to be a good salesperson. That was an assumption. Don't make assumptions. I made an assumption that I couldn't be in sales because I didn't have the right training. People make assumptions all the time. I hear, I can't do X, Y, or Z because I don't have a license. I tell them they need to turn that around and make a question out of that statement. Ask, how can I do it without a license? We set ourselves up for failure because of the way we talk to ourselves and by making assumptions. Stop it. Ask more questions. Be a person of integrity, too. Integrity means more than just doing what you say you're going to do when you tell others you will do it. Integrity means not lying to yourself either. Let's take something simple. Let's talk about getting up in the morning. Say you told yourself that you would get up at 6 a.m. The next morning rolls around and you don't get up until 6.02 a.m. Yes, it's just two minutes. But guess what? You said six and you didn't do what you said you would do. You didn't have integrity about doing what you told yourself you would do. How can others believe you if you don't believe you? Integrity goes hand in hand with character. We will go more deeply into the importance of character soon enough. But for now, just stick with me. Something you may not have noticed, but I know you happen to appreciate, is dealing with businesses and people who have good character and integrity. For example, do you have a friend who is annoyingly on time all the time? This person does what they say they're going to do. That's called character, which also happens to be one of the secret business-building ingredients. To do well in your real estate business, you will develop character, which simply means that your yes means yes and your no means no. Could you imagine if every company stood behind its products all the time, no matter what, and they developed the reputation for always saying yes and the customer is always right? Do you know of a company like that? Do you like that company? Do you refer your friends and family to that company? Sure you do. If you do that in your business, people will come back and will gladly pay for that extra customer service and peace of mind. That's something you can do. It's something you can implement inside of any business, especially real estate. Stand behind the services that you offer. Think about it. 
If you promise to be able to close an escrow on time, you then do everything in your power to close escrow on time. If you promise that you can open escrow on time and you have the earnest money it takes to do it, then show up on time. These simple actions go a long way in helping you get deals that ordinarily you might not be able to obtain. Why? Real estate investing is a small world. You treat people right, and they'll tell everyone they know about you. You treat people wrong, and that will be their message to the world. Once you're living in integrity, the next thing you need to do is to learn to set clear boundaries. This is just one more example of emotional intelligence. By setting boundaries with other people, you can avoid drama, trauma, and issues. I take what I do seriously. I don't have room in a deal for someone else's emotional reactions. One way to avoid this scenario in which you or another person will get upset is by establishing boundaries and being clear about the rules. You can do this assertively, not aggressively, and there is a huge difference. This goes for my team, too. If I'm paying someone to provide me with solutions, that's what I expect, not drama and issues. If I've set my expectations and theirs correctly and clearly, there will be no drama. Do you want an example of how we deal with each other in my team? This is best shown by what an associate jotted down one day while sitting with me at a park. Our time was interrupted by a call I had to take from my team because we were closing another deal. I knew my team and I worked together well because we addressed drama head-on. However, I didn't realize in words how this looked from the outside. I asked my friend if I could share what she wrote. She agreed. This is directly from her notes. Watching Jay negotiate a deal is a thing of beauty. He is relaxed and confident. It seems like nothing ruffles his feathers. He remains cool and collected, no matter the size of the deal and any hiccups that come with it. He is very clear with his directives and boundaries. He sets expectations with ease. By being clear and direct, Jay makes all members of his team work harder and perform their best. If there are misunderstandings, they can be discussed and fixed. From negotiating rents to discussing taxes and fees, everything can be worked out. I watched Jay in a discussion involving occupancy of an apartment complex, and he spoke with great emotional intelligence that moved me to write my observations. Further, he displays tremendous financial intelligence and has a business savvy that the best educated among us can't sometimes achieve. At the end of the call, everyone was happy with the content, terms, and the relationships. There is no room for miscommunication when working in a team, and there is no room for drama. There is no room for a change in terms that have been agreed upon either. Jay taught me these things simply from listening to him on a call. He says, letting things go unaddressed is never the solution. He's right. Jay also knows the power of publicly praising team members for a job well done and for their strengths. I witnessed this too. He believes in rewarding people for performance. He takes input from all members of his team. He gets people to talk to each other in an open and honest manner. When everyone is clear in a goal, the goal will be met. 
Greater communication provides for better negotiations. Jay infuses humor into his conversations, too, which puts people at ease and puts Jay on the winning side of negotiations. Jay and each member of the team practice integrity. I found myself wanting to do business with Jay immediately after witnessing this call, which was an unintended outcome. I included my associate's words to make a point. She knows that I'm going to do what I say when I say it. My team will do the same. Who wouldn't want to deal with a real estate investor, or anyone else for that matter, who embraces and puts into practice these skills in every transaction? It is part of being an emotionally intelligent person that understands getting what we want means giving what others need. Emotional intelligence is absolutely critical in financial deals. People don't entrust big money with you because of your financial savvy. It's about trust and your ability to understand situations. They can see that you know how to handle dramas and traumas and how to respond appropriately. They want to deal with you because you have shown that you won't lose your head, no matter what. If I get wrapped up in the emotions around a deal, for example, when a building catches fire, it wouldn't work well for my investors, and it sure won't work well for me. I have to be calm. As an investor, you have to be calm, period. The people entrusting me with their money need to know that I can calmly handle delays, contractor issues, and more. I can handle a fire. I know I can, because one of my buildings burned down. Twice. Yes, we'll get to that. If we lose our emotional intelligence, if we lose our calm, we turn a temporary problem into a permanent problem. Then we have to take responsibility for our actions. We will then have to relive the events and our actions over and over. That creates a whole new set of problems. It's a bad cycle that is best to be avoided. It's better to see a problem as temporary, be aware of what's going on, and adjust your sails to create smoother sailing. Developing our emotional intelligence is a continual learning process. Everything changes. You need to learn to adapt and never jump to conclusions. Emotional intelligence dictates that you look at things calmly and rationally. That keeps you from jumping to conclusions or reacting too quickly. Give people the benefit of the doubt until you find out otherwise. There is usually an explanation for anything that goes wrong in a deal. It's better to use your efforts and energies in positive ways. Being a person of integrity helps me to succeed in business. Without integrity, emails become a sales prevention machine, and being a successful real estate investor requires good sales skills delivered with integrity. It is important to sell your message with integrity and sincerity. Further, to do well in sales, you have to 1. generate your own leads and 2. cultivate relationships. Once you have built relationships and trust with your leads, it is up to you to then close the sale and get referrals. If it weren't for referrals, I would never have done as many deals as I have. Closing real estate deals takes something that other forms of investing don't. That's interpersonal skills, also known as people skills. Along with people skills that come to you through emotional intelligence, 
Being an investor in real estate requires really good listening skills. Street smarts certainly don't hurt. I have a lot of street smarts, but the other skills I learned and developed over time. I had to commit myself to my dream, and I knew that to get there would require new skills. For example, I wasn't always comfortable with speaking to other human beings, much less speaking to sizable groups of individuals. Against my will, I decided, that's code for my mentor said I should do this, but I didn't want to, I decided that I had to get over my anxieties about public speaking. So I joined Toastmasters. In no time, I had learned these new skills and got to practice public speaking every week. The group gave me excellent feedback, and I adjusted to become a pretty good speaker. I'm still learning, but now I enjoy the speaking part. I can talk to anyone about real estate investing, business, and life. I've learned to be an excellent listener, which, as I said, is a necessity. If you're always busy talking, 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 how are you going to hear what the other person has to say? You'll miss a lot if you are more about hearing yourself talk than hearing the other person's responses to your questions. But then, I wasn't always the best listener, and I had to learn how to approach potential investment partners. I'll never forget one of my first lessons on listening. While prospecting one day, I cornered a guy and went into what I thought was a good elevator pitch. The man listened politely as I rambled on. At the end, he simply asked, Would you like to sell more? You have to learn to say less to a greater number of people. Not too long after that, I learned about the 70-30 rule. Listen 70% of the time and ask great questions the other 30%. Simply put, you have to listen more. Today, this active listening skill is something I share in my sales training classes. I can give you the meat of the class in two words. Just listen. Then the other person's problem can be solved because you heard it. Here's an example. Say you're talking to a woman who is a homeowner and also in an abusive relationship. She wants to leave but she feels stuck. This conversation actually happened to me. A woman told me that she was in an abusive relationship and wanted out but felt stuck. All I really did was listen to her. I wanted to help her and thought I might buy the house. However, that wasn't a good solution because she didn't want to remain stuck for 90 days through the closing process. If she wanted to be free in short time, she needed a faster exit plan. I knew that I could close in seven days. She said that if she could A, B, C, and D, she would be free. All she needed was X number of dollars, and she could go. All I did was listen, so I could provide a solution. I became a solution to her big problem. She unfortunately decided to stay in the relationship and the house, but I've used that solution in other situations to solve problems, using not one dime of my own cash. That brings us to a question I hear consistently. How do you raise private capital? I wish I had $10 for every time I get asked this question. We will get into this skill a little later on. For now, I'll leave you to think about my approach. Once again, it has to do with interpersonal skills, active listening, and emotional intelligence. 
When I approach someone about becoming a backer of a real estate deal, for example, a very large deal like those I do now, that might require, in this example, an investment of $1 million, I ask them one question that works every time. When would you like me to stop sending you the $100,000 check? Why $100,000? That is 10% of the $1 million investment. You can do the math. If the investor gives me $1 million, and I give him the $100,000 every year in passive income, how long would it take for him to get his investment back, and how much could he make beyond that amount over time? There is no magic. It's math. Like a good friend always says to me, do the math, and the math will tell you what to do. He is so right. How did I get to this point where I am so comfortable in asking for large sums? Over time. Again, no magic. Sorry, just hard work. Lots of learning experiences and a whole bunch of mistakes have given me the confidence to do the deal and then do more. I will share with you, however, that I didn't always have the confidence I do now. Would you believe me if I were to tell you that my journey started with a vision book? Okay, and a week-long crash course in real estate investing. That was pretty important. My Magic Vision and Me As you now know, things weren't great in my life at the time I became a real estate investor. Through a series of not-so-wonderful events, my family and I were displaced and starting over. That was in 2008. I knew something had to change. Me. I had to change how I looked at things. I made a conscious choice of becoming a real estate investor. I was sponsored into a short course in real estate. There was just enough money to pay for one week. I learned quickly that I had to move at the speed of instruction and to ask a whole lot of questions. I didn't know this made me a little different than the other people in the room, but it did. I want you to be different too. So listen up here. This next bit is crucial. Again, I had just one week to learn everything I could about real estate investing and the different types of deals to be had. We covered a lot of ground in a short time. I had to implement anything I learned right away. As I sat in that week-long course, if the presenter gave the class a concept of how to do something, I'd do it right away, while on a 15-minute break. I'd take my phone to the hallway, make a call, and put into action what I had just learned. This had an amazing result. If it worked, I could immediately report my results. If it didn't, I could ask questions and adjust my approach. You may already understand that information, that is, knowledge, is only the first step. To get good at something, you have to apply that knowledge. That's what I was doing in real time. I learned that if I am in a learning environment and I learn cool things, but I wait till I get home to start implementing my new knowledge, it's not going to work well. What do you think could happen? I could forget things or how a process worked. I might let anxiety about not doing it right get to me and stop me, or I just might not take action at all. Isn't that the way it works at some seminars? You get so loaded down with information and concepts that you can freeze up. I couldn't allow that to happen. My family counted on me to get it right, implement, and succeed. We had to eat. I had to make this work. 
Please remember this phrase, done is better than perfect. That week, I became a real estate investor and I haven't stopped. I took a lot of action steps. I left clever cards on cars night after night after night, inviting those who might have properties to sell or who might want to buy real estate or learn about real estate investing to contact me. Over time, my base of leads developed to a point that it was hard to keep up. I attended networking meetings, and I got my elevator pitch down to a few brief sentences. Hi, my name is Jay Massey, and I'm a wholesaler. What that means is, I buy property at a discount, and I sell property at a discount. What type of investing are you looking to do? This is my exact pitch. Next, I chose my office location. It's the same office I use to this day, Starbucks. I have my iPad and my iPhone and my iBrain. Just joking, I take my brain everywhere. Oh, and my camera. I always have my camera. The rest is history. I make deals of all sizes, larger and larger, all the time, every week, because I am now recognized as a great problem solver in real estate. This is especially true in Memphis, but I will get to that story soon enough. What's this about a vision book? There is one tool that I used to help me make the necessary shift in my mindset that would allow me to see that I could achieve what I wanted. I could get to my goals because I made sure to put these goals down on paper in a way that I could see them anytime I felt like it. This is something I continue to do to this day, and it still helps me. My dreams and goals may have grown, but I still need to see them. What's great is that this tool is something you can easily create for yourself. It has an amazing purpose. What am I talking about? It's my vision book, my dream book, if you will. Have you ever heard that if you see it in your mind, you can receive it in your life? Believe it. I'm living proof. Call it law of attraction. I don't care what you call it. Take this action step now. Today, grab a simple notebook and get to work. Make what you want in your life real to you. Create a list of things you want in your life. While there may be a lot of creature comforts, a more comfortable life, and doodads that you don't actually need, be sure to add really big goals, like starting 12 charities. Notice I didn't say just one charity. I'm telling you to think big and have big dreams. Next, collect up pictures of these things and write notes in your book. For me, it was not a huge item that made it into the first pages of my vision book. It was a microwave oven. That's right. I wanted a decent microwave oven and a flash drive on a keychain. That may sound strange to you because today flash drives are everywhere and they are inexpensive. In 2008, They were relatively new to me. I found pictures of what I desired, and I glued them into my vision book. I looked at them often. I'm happy to say that I did indeed get those doodads, and I reached a lot of my early goals. I'm working on new goals now. When you think about the things you want in your life, even small things, first, list them out, and then find pictures that you can cut out and put into your vision book. It's not the items themselves that you should focus on, but rather what they represent. 
These items represent certain things. For example, I added the amount of $625,000 in my book because that's the amount I wanted to gather to invest in property. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was shooting low with that number. I love a good kitchen, so I added a picture of a really nice kitchen with modern clean lines. I wanted nicer clothes because I wanted all my clothes to be dry cleaned. I also wanted a yellow Lamborghini. When I eventually test drove that vehicle, I realized it wasn't a good fit for me, literally. As a very tall man, I didn't fit into my dream car. I adjusted my dream to what I drive now, which is an equally nice vehicle, but not nearly as flashy. It's an Audi S8, and I love driving it. What was the point of putting things in my vision book? To remind me why I was working so hard, and to keep me motivated toward my goals. If I ever questioned myself, or had a weak moment or felt defeated, I'd open my book, and I was good to go again. It moved me back to the mindset I needed, so I could keep taking action. When you create your vision book, I'd love for you to send me snapshots of some of the pages. Share them on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash cashflowdiary, all one word. Keep it clean, people. This is a real exercise. Or email them to me from the website at cashflowdiary.com. By the way, your vision book can be a lead generator if you use it right. Keep it out on the table and see what happens. If people strike up a conversation with you about it, guess what? You might be creating leads right then and there. Be sure to get any real estate-minded person's information. Most people have a card. Don't just give them yours. It's best to get their information and then follow up with them. Ask them about their dreams. Allow yourself to dream. Do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. Never stop dreaming. If you don't want to create a vision book, maybe a vision board or even bulletin board is more your style. I chose a book because I want to keep my book with me so I can look through it or add to it at a moment's notice. The book is practical. Most of us are mobile and on the run. We need something we can carry easily. You can't carry a board around with you. You could, but it's going to look strange and be cumbersome. You want to be able to use something on the fly, so a book is perfect. You can even jot down notes in it and talk about what you learned from mistakes. The cash flow foundation I am building has helped me to keep dreaming. Reading Robert Kiyosaki's books helped me tremendously. The vision book keeps my thoughts in the right place. All of these things serve as motivators. No matter how you slice it, you have to see your goals and what you want in your life before you can take action steps to achieve these things. A simple way to help yourself is with the vision book. Step 1. Make a list of things you want. Step 2. Put the list in order of importance. Step 3. Gather pictures, cut them out, and put them in your book. Step 4. Carry your vision book with you everywhere you go and refer to it often. Step 5. Keep adding to the book and keep expanding your goals. Think about it. What would it take to own a home that has a price tag with a lot of commas? You would do X, Y, and Z. Figure out the steps. Take action.
Continue to dream. Make your dreams bigger. Raise your standards from small to large dreams. In my case, I went from dreaming about single-family homes to multi-unit complexes to retail malls to commercial properties to high-rises, then toll roads, parking garages, and fairgrounds. Now I even think about investing in jails. Do I have all these things yet? No, but I'm taking the necessary action steps because I know what it all comes down to is inspired action. You might already know what you want out of life. You might even have a vision book, and you have already clipped pictures and pasted them into place. You might even be able to get yourself to the mindset that all things are possible. They are, you know. But then you feel a dip in your inspiration. How do you get it back? Or maybe, how do you get it to begin with? I hear this question sometimes. The only thing I can tell you is to never let the dip stop you from taking action or to overwhelm you. Push yourself, even when you don't feel like doing something. Never let the how stop you. Look around you. What do you see? A garden? Nope. I see real estate. A movie theater? Nope. Real estate. The high-rise apartment building across the street? Nope. Real estate. Understand this, too. You will never be perfect. There is no such thing as a perfect deal in real estate, and things will go wrong. That's okay. Mistakes are simply feedback for doing things better the next time. Be willing to fail forward, fail often, and just go through the experience. I promise that you'll live. I want you to be inspired, but to keep that inspiration and then take action steps. Don't just go out and buy the things you want, even if you have the cash to do so. You must think differently. I want you to believe that if you want X, you can have X. To get there, you need to offer a product or service that solves problems. The bigger the problem, the bigger the solution, and the more money you have the potential to earn. Bigger problems equal more value in your solution. Think about transportation and telecommunication. At one time, these were massive problems. Those who provided solutions were rewarded financially, and they could have in their lives what they wanted. The vision book is to keep you inspired and start the transformation process in your thinking and your life. The book you are reading now is a part of my ongoing transformation as I continue to be a better problem solver. Thinking and learning become the transforming mechanisms. As your beliefs change and your viewpoints broaden, you will realize how much you are capable of doing. Just be careful in how you work forward in your vision book. This is not a wish list that you can buy your way through. Let me explain. I remember speaking to a woman once who told me she really wanted a puppy. It was a special breed of puppy, and it wasn't cheap. She added it to her vision book. Later, I ran into the woman again, and she was thrilled to tell me that she bought the puppy. No, that's not what the vision book is all about. I'm glad she was so inspired to add the puppy to her list, but the idea wasn't to spend her money to buy a dog. She missed the point, but at least she was enthusiastic. 
She didn't get the puppy by taking any action steps. The woman hadn't changed the way she looked at things. Her mindset hadn't budged. She didn't go through any experiences other than going to the pet shop and making a purchase. She helped no one solve a problem through real estate, and she didn't practice any of my teachings. Ah, let me inspire you. My vision is bigger than just my time on the planet and how it affects my family and me. Working from a place of true inspiration, I intend to help you and a whole bunch of people like you. I plan to help people who aren't anything like you, too. This is what this book is all about. I want to inspire you to the greatness that you may or may not see in yourself. Then I hope that you will pay it forward to inspire others. Take action. That's it. If you want to inspire, you have to take action and be inspiring. People love to be around action takers. Go after your goals with tenacity. There are no shortcuts. This book isn't going to give you shortcuts to wealth. I guarantee you that to achieve your goals in real estate, one of which is probably a much healthier bank account with a lot more commas and zeros, you will have failures, or rather, failure events. I can also tell you that you will likely achieve results different from those you intended. You will learn to ask better questions than you know to do in the beginning. The questions are actually the answers you seek. Questions really are the answers. I ask a lot of questions, and as a result, people tell me all about their problems that I can solve. You can say that I actively look for problems now, so I can provide the solutions. If entertainment is a problem, why not put a movie theater in the space in question? Or a bookstore, PC gaming center, or even a gym? Hey, that's entertainment to some. Look at the area and figure out the type of entertainment people might want. Solve that problem. I can hear you right now. Yes, Jay, but I'm not you. I don't even know how to look at problems like that. How do I get to your level of thinking? Practice. That's how. Get yourself out there and practice your interpersonal skills. Practice listening. Get comfortable in talking to people. Get comfortable in asking questions. And then just be quiet and let the prospects talk. Get rid of the agenda playing in your head. If you are just waiting for your turn to speak so you can dazzle others with your silver tongue, you serve no one. You solve no problems. You aren't listening. If you need to develop these skills, I have a fantastic idea. Play Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow 101 board game. Yes, a game. Playing Cashflow 101 built my business. One thing that helped me understand different strategies in real estate investing is playing Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow 101 game. Through playing with different groups of people, I learned how deals can be done in a lot of different ways, not just in the game, but in real life. It takes discipline to ignore other players and to realize you aren't playing against them, but rather teaching yourself to win in real-world real estate. The game taught me about cash flow in a big way. The equation of $200 a month in passive income multiplied by 12 months equaling $2,400 
started embedding itself in my brain. Every asset, real estate, can bring passive income. Every type of deal brings its own rewards and issues. After I played the game a few times, I was sold more than ever before on the fact that I would be not just a real estate investor, but a really, really successful investor. So far, so good. Wealth is a team sport. I heard that from entrepreneur Jim Bunch. He's right. Everything is a team sport if you think about it, because no one really accomplishes anything alone. Just like in tennis, there is a player and a coach. There are others who help the player perform at his or her best. There are even the youngsters who are in charge of dashing across the court to pick up the loose balls. If you can't quite grasp the importance of this concept, play the cash flow game. It has a way of forcing you to understand that you can do more with a team mindset than with a self-centered way of thinking. The game also teaches you about the different types of intelligence. Remember how I mentioned those types earlier in the book? I could test you here, ask you which types of intelligence I listed. Okay, I'll give it to you. Academic, emotional, financial, and spiritual. It is a well-rounded person who possesses all of these. Most people are lacking in one or more areas, however. For example, some people have emotional intelligence, but they lack financial intelligence. Maybe they have emotional intelligence and book smarts, that is, academic intelligence. They may do well in certain areas of their life, but one needs financial intelligence when it comes to making good decisions in real estate investing. However, if you have financial intelligence and other people possess other forms of intelligence, maybe you can work together as a team to get deals done. Again, the cash flow game proves this theory. If you aren't familiar with Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow game, let me break it down for you. It's a board game that requires active participation, and you have to pay attention to what's going on at all times. On the inside of the board, there is a circle that represents the rat race we're all in until we change our mindset to allow ourselves to participate in real estate investing. Through a series of good decisions and working in a team with other players, you can get out of this rat race and onto the fast track that is the outer path on the board. The plastic game pieces come in different colors of rats and chunks of cheese. You place your cheese on your dream goal that you choose from the outer fast track. Some seem more popular than others. Ultimately, I see players place their cheese on the Mediterranean Sea cruise. Hey, it's a great goal on the board and in life. Why not? The point is that the decisions we make in the game reflect what we do in real life. At least the same rules apply. Our choices get us where we are in life. Our choices will change our path. Our decisions and how we use the knowledge we have gained along the way get us to our goals. In the cash flow game, you learn how to use a profit and loss statement, P&L, which at first might be overwhelming. Once you understand it, however, it's not such a big deal. You can handle it. You are stronger and smarter than a piece of paper. If you learn how to use the P&L statement in the game, you can translate that information to real life. You start looking at things differently. You start weighing out your earnings and expenses. 
you understand why doodads are not necessary. Though they might be in your vision book, it doesn't mean you have to spend money to buy them. These doodads might not be nearly as important as you think. The P&L statement helps you understand the real profits you are earning from your real estate investments in the game, and that also translates to life. Thus, learning to make sound investments plays into the bigger picture when you get out there in the real world to make deals. But how do you decide what is a good and what is a bad investment? We get to that later in the book. For now, let's talk more about the game and how learning it benefits your understanding of the real-world investment community. In the game, you learn to take risks. You learn to work with other players. This is different from what I learned growing up, play to win. That's what my mom always said when we played board games growing up in the family. If I said, I played to win things, we're cool. Now I play to win in real life, but I get there by working with other people. It's that way in the cash flow game. In no other way are you going to learn how to make deals. You must work with the other players. It's funny to watch people play the game. One of the first things that happens is that they are assigned a profession. In the game... The first time you'll see an emotional reaction is when people randomly and blindly choose their profession card. You'll hear, Yes, I'm a doctor. On the opposite end of the spectrum, the person who picks the janitor card isn't so excited. You ultimately hear crickets or a groan. The game simulates the good and bad of life. That includes professional choices. The game forces us to make decisions. Sometimes I institute a clock wherein players have only 30 seconds to make a decision. I watch people's faces. They panic, but then they make decisions quickly. I do this because we make decisions every day of our lives. We need to learn to make them quickly and stop overthinking. In the game, other types of investments come up besides real estate— there are a lot of emotion-evoking things that come up, too, aside from the profession cards. There are stocks that you can buy. That is an emotional decision. You can go bankrupt. You can have babies. You can end up having to buy all sorts of doodads, or rather, you are forced to buy them by picking that card. When these things come up, the responses are always emotional in the players. Their reactions in the game show me how they will likely react to stimuli and challenges in their lives. Life can be challenging. If you want something, you may have to overcome obstacles to get it. Obstacles will inevitably get in your way. If you tell me you give up in the cash flow game, then I know that's how you act in real life. That's why your life isn't working for you as well as you wish it would. While you're playing the game, your fears are on display. Even though it's a simulated play environment, you tend to use the same emotions that you do in real life when working deals. We need to take a risk sometimes, especially in real estate. But you say, what if I fail? Even in the game you say it. If this is your mindset, I'm here to tell you that you are letting this fear rob you of experiencing emotional intelligence. Think about it this way. Donald Trump rose in the public eye and failed in the public eye, and then he rose again. Without emotional intelligence, all the other types of intelligence mean nothing. 
What else does the cash flow game give you? The cash flow game leads to networking, which in turn leads to referrals. There is no better lead generator. If you want to be in the real estate arena, play this game. Host games at your home or in your clubhouse. You will leave smarter than when you arrived. You play the game to gain financial intelligence. Then, once you know the game well, you can teach it. After all, he who educates the market dominates the market. There is a great truth in this saying. I have been teaching the game for a decade now. I connect people to the fact that they can become what I have become as a real estate investor. My success is a natural extension of the game. People ask, how do I do it? Or can I do it with you? And can I learn from you? Sometimes the people I play the game with end up investing in my real estate deals. Or we work together on deals. It's exciting. I can honestly say that the cash flow game helped me build my business. My largest game so far involved leading 180 people in how to play. I've done it internationally on a boat twice, once with Robert Kiyosaki. At the time of this writing, I was just asked to lead the game for a third time on the cruise. It's called Summit at Sea, an annual investor's cruise. It's fun. I get to meet a lot of interesting, intelligent people who accomplish a lot in their lives, and I get to run workshops, participate in educational roundtables, and lead a big board game that I enjoy. With this in mind, it makes me smile when people ask me, what is it about real estate that gets me so passionate? If I hadn't become a real estate investor, I wouldn't have had so many exciting and wonderful experiences. Hey, I can tell you, I am grateful. You know who else is grateful? My wife, Poppy. I want to share her viewpoint about playing Cash Flow 101 and how it changed her mindset. This is important because she and I are a team. In Poppy's own words, Cash flow and passive income are important because it means that we have money coming in without having to work over and over and over again for it. It means that we can take time off with our family without having to worry about whether or not income is coming in. And it means that we have made our money work for us as opposed to us working for our money. Entrepreneurship is important to our family because in the Bible, it talks about entrepreneurs or those being skilled as those who would serve before kings. It talks about entrepreneurs, for example, as you will find in Proverbs 31, which is about a female entrepreneur. She had not only one, but multiple businesses. This is interesting to me because today, some are led to believe that the Bible demeans women. It's really the opposite as proven by this proverb in which women are entrepreneurs and business owners and are lifted up. Today, a lot of women have to generate income on their own without having to rely on a husband or a partner. So Proverbs 31 actually speaks to us today about entrepreneurship, both men and women. In our home, we practice entrepreneurship not just for ourselves, but also for our kids. We have three girls and a boy. We want all of them to know they can make something of themselves in the world via entrepreneurial thinking. However, we didn't always think in these terms. It's only when we started playing the Cash Flow 101 game that we truly began to understand. This game freed my mind. I was in the path of go to school, get a good education, and get a good job. 
What I learned in my 12 years as a recruiting and staffing agent was that in the end, just because you have a good education doesn't necessarily mean that you have the skills to perform the job you want. A good education doesn't teach social skills either. Social skills are very important as far as where you're going to work and not only as an entrepreneur. If you choose to have a W-4 position, and let's face it, people enjoy working with people they like, people who are able to get along with others, people with good social skills. The Cashflow 101 game is important because, again, it freed me from thinking that getting a W-4 job is the only way to generate an income. Playing the game helped me understand that I was timid in regard to taking risks. It taught me that I didn't really know what to do with the money that I had. It taught me different ways to help my money work for me, which is so much better than me working for my money. I squirreled my money away in a bank. Back in the 80s and 90s, when interest rates were at 13%, maybe that was a great idea. But now you get maybe 2% if you're lucky. How does putting money in the bank like that make sense today? Like the Bible says, Instead of burying our money in the ground and being fearful, we should put it to use and let it grow so we can do more for others. Cashflow One taught me how to fulfill the Bible scripture that talks about how if God gives you five talents, you go out and make five more. And if he gives you 10, you go out and make 10 more. I never really understood what that meant until I started playing Cashflow. The scripture is telling me that by creating the talents, I can provide a way for me that means for myself and my kids and family, to take risks with money without the consequences. And that's in the game, by the way. Sure, it's emotional and you get plenty emotional playing this game, but that's not a life-threatening consequence. Risk is a part of success. I don't know any successful people who don't take risks. God knows Jay and I took risks and we have certainly reaped rewards as entrepreneurs. I learned I can care for my family and myself as an entrepreneur. This is truly empowering and the board game helped me to deal with my fear, to not let fear stop me from taking a few risks. God gave me talents that I can use to take care of my family and the board game allowed me to do that and at least learn to do that without fear. It propelled me in the right direction. Even as a busy mother of three toddlers, I started my own business with the Pampered Chef. It's a plan B in my mind, and I absolutely love the company. It was the best decision I ever made, and I absolutely love the company. It was also, at the time, a plan B. And why have a plan B? Because of all the personal and financial issues Jay and I faced in our lives, I learned that a plan B is very important. I will never worry about where the money will come from again because I'm a part of that solution. I want to make a note hear about Robert and Kim Kiyosaki. It was through my conversations with them that I pushed my fears and excuses aside. And I can tell you, I had plenty of excuses from being a busy mom to having, you know, two degrees to just not feeling ready to start my business. They are very direct people who taught me that there is no reason to pussyfoot around issues. They are very direct people who taught me that there are no reasons to skirt around issues. Just speak your mind assertively and take the action steps. They did it, Jay did it, and I did it. Like my husband says, there is no magic wand that will get you to your goals. It takes hard work, clearly defined goals, and determination. 
Believe, ask, and you shall receive. The Bible is not joking about that. Those were comments from Poppy in her own words. All right, I think you get the point. Just get started. Learn about real estate investing. Choose an area in which to begin, like wholesaling, that I'll tell you about a bit later in the book. Write a deal this week. That's my personal challenge to you once you've finished reading this book and listened to my podcasts. And play the cash flow game. Okay, right about now, you're getting impatient. You're asking, Jay, so when do you get to the part about using none of your own money or credit to buy properties? That's next. It's called Creative Acquisitions. Okay, so now that you've heard, I'm just curious if you even made it this far. (laughs) It is definitely, like I said, one of the longest episodes on the planet. I am so glad that this project is, I can consider it complete in a sense, and hopefully you've enjoyed it. For those of you who want to take advantage and get the rest of the story, uh, all you have to do is go over to cashflowdiary.com forward slash audio, A-U-D-I-O. Uh, we'll send you some information on what you need to do to make that happen. And or you can go straight uh, or you can send a text message in to 949-682-3565. Keyword is audio again, A-U-D-I-O. It's been fun sharing this with you. I look forward to talking to you guys again soon. Until next time. <laughs>